This is Giles Martin, and you're listening to the Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. Yay! Yay. Two thumbs up and a boo. <laughs> um, we are an all Beatles, anything goes Beatles talk show on the uh, internet. And um, joining me, as they always do, are my good friends, Mr. Rob Leonard. Hello, 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 hello. And Mr. Mitch Axelrod. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this, this is, I don't know like what number in the installment. <laughs> what is making um, Rob last hard? Because I'm looking at the screen and you guys are pointing and I know when this actually goes up, it'll be, your pointing will be correct. But you guys, well, without it, looks totally silly. Yeah, it's, it's going to look completely ridiculous. Right? Who cares? Here. This is number 217, I believe. This, well, episode 217, but, but um, I'm trying to remember how many listener calls episodes. This is probably our fourth or done. fifth. I think it's our fourth. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, yes. But we have, uh, have done listener calls in the past. And this time around, um, uh, we reached out with our Google phone number and... Uh, we got a really cool response and have gotten some great calls and great questions. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to keep asking for questions to come and we'll be doing more of these down the road. So this is our, uh, for those of you listening only, this is also available on YouTube. For those of you YouTubing, this is also available on um, Spotify and uh, what else, Mitch? Anywhere. Uh, everywhere, seriously. Call. Yeah, our website on podcast, podcast, so any podcast, uh, iTunes, any way you could get a podcast, we, we are there. We're there. And, yeah. and we should also explain for those who are just watching and have not listened in the past that uh, Tony has the calls. He knows the questions. Rob and I don't. So when Tony brings up the question, he has not thought about them. We just got them. So then it's all pretty much spontaneous on what we think about your question. So uh, it should be fun. All righty. Hey, guys. Um, my question is this. If, say, for example, John and, and George never died, if they were alive to this day, which other artist would you like to see each of the four Beatles as solo artists collaborate with? Like, uh, who would you like to see Paul write a song with or John do a project with? That's my question. Go around the horn and answer for each Beatle. Thanks. Each Beatle? Wow. Do we know who that was, Tony? No, we actually don't have. Oh, we have a phone number, which I'm not going to give away. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, unidentified listener, but thank you so much for the, the question. That's an unidentified flying listener. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Yeah, really fascinating. Because it, you know what's weird about it? It's that when John was alive, he never collaborated, and neither did George. No, George did. Well, I mean, yes, but not... Not to the traveling like, Wilburys, he guested on a lot of people's records. He guested, but he he didn't really do like Paul did with like Michael Jackson and and like with Ringo did with Buck Owens. But neither right. John or George really did that type of duet type of stuff. Well, I think I think um, should we go under the idea that he he's using collaboration not just in songwriting. We could say collaborate, meaning perform with or play with. Or, well, or yeah, I mean, you got do something on a record with. Clapton performed with all four of them. I mean, they, but again, I think let's let's try to do someone that 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 there's no back history. I like the idea of us coming up with with one. Oh, that, uh, oh okay. All right, let's start with John. Okay, go ahead. 
if John were alive, other than Yoko, who would I like to see John collaborate with? See, I would have said John would have been interesting with Dylan. Wow. Um, just because I think, you know, coming full circle and being older, you know, I know he was influenced by him for Norwegian Wood and stuff like that. But I, uh, and you've got to hide your love away. But wow. I, I think maybe at the age of, you know, 70, 75, 80, collaborating with Dylan would have been kind of cool for John. I think it would have, uh, it, it would have gone sort of back to his roots, even though the roots were the 50s. But I think it, I think it would have been kind of neat to see him or hear him collaborate with Dylan. That's that's cool. I, um, I can't see him doing that only because he's dead. I think the, the competition uh, was underneath a lot of things they did for a while. Um, I think of that uh, that uh, thing that he did um, where he took the the the, the, the news uh, feed from Manhattan Cable and he wrote a song like Dylan did. It's on the yeah. uh, anthology. Yeah. I forget the name. Yeah, of it. Yeah. And, um, but that would be like, you know, him making fun of, and then of course he did, uh, serve yourself, which was, yourself yeah. you know, which was a great, you know, shot at Dylan. It's also Dylan a great S song too. Dylan-esque Dylan is a Dylan better word maybe. Um, but Dylan, yeah. I mean, um, I, I think Dylan naturally worked with George and Ringo. They just naturally, especially George, they just fit in. George was a huge fan of Dylan. He quoted him as much as he did the Ruddles. Um, I you know I'd like to see I'd like to see Paul McCartney because Dylan mentioned him in a Rolling Stone interview a few years ago, basically yeah. saying I would love to have worked with him because you know it's interesting to see where that would go. Would you know would D Dylan do all the words and Paul would just do the music, or would they just be there together? And how how would the chord sound? Because that's where I'd like to see where it would go. Um, but I would start with Dylan. You know, well, yeah, for, but, but now wait now here our, our listeners gonna feel gypped here because well, I'm not Mitch, done. <laughs> Mitch did Mitch did John right. You just did Paul. It's just having you both right. to Dylan. So so I'm gonna now do do John and Paul, and then you guys can take the one. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Um, I would have been. I, I'm. What's been going through my head is I I I'm thinking about the the McCartney McManus pairing. So my head's going to this idea that. Who would have been the most Paul McCartney-ish writer of the 80s and 90s who would have been an interesting fit with a Lennon? Oh. Um, and and that's, that's difficult. Like a I, Nick Lowe? Ooh. Ooh, I'm liking that. Wow. Who, who'd you say? I'm sorry, I didn't hear Nick that. Lowe. Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe would be Lowe. perfect. But rock pile would be perfect for john i mean that'd be a perfect band for john wow john lennon and nick lowe there's one that you 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 gave me my answer but i'm gonna take it <laughs> uh man i really love that idea john lennon what and about nick glenn lowe. tilbrook well there you go with like john or glenn nick tilbrook lowe. with paul so you did you, is that going to be your paul you yeah that's going to be my paul sorry that's a good I'm, one we're all jumping around but you know as that's you as one. you think about things you start yeah. thinking who would be, you know, the, the toughest one's going to be not even Ringo because Ringo could work with, you know, Mae West. But, um, <laughs> who, you know, but who would George, you know, that's the tough. So go ahead, Tony. Keep I, I don't know. Um, for, for Paul, um, I, I'm going to pull one out of, the, out of a hat. Go ahead. This is somebody who um, they, apparently they met at some point at either a wedding or some kind of an event. 
And um, I, you know, I know his, his reputation is as a quote Christian artist, but he does secular stuff too. But Paul McCartney and Phil Keege would have put something really, really, really amazing together. I was going to uh, say Vince Gill. Phil did an album called um, Sunday's Child, which, which is yep. very, very, very Beatle-ish. Um, but he and Paul met at one point, and Paul said, oh, man, yeah, I know the album. I'm familiar with it. Um, so I'd love to have seen that. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, so let's see. So, Rob, you have to give us a... Well, I also think that I, um, one thing oh. that uh, was great about Keith Richards' book, which was a great read, but he also talked about how he and Paul co-wrote a song it's not finished yet but they, they did co-write a song i'd like to see it finished <laughs> I, well i i, I wish there's gotta be I a wish... joke there somewhere it's not finished <laughs> yeah well i Eddie white's well, gonna finish it for them after the rest <laughs> of the world is gone well but, but i Richards well, won't be gone <laughs> keith is keith is still around as we know exactly, uh, but i would i think you know what i would love to have seen and remember when they did the, the um the thing in the desert a couple of years ago and the stones were there and yeah Paul was there yeah I would have loved to see Paul jump on stage with the Stones. I know, uh, you know, Bill Wyman is still, in my mind, their bass, even though he's been gone for 30 years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would have liked to see Paul work with the Stones just, you know, live. Maybe not in the studio because they don't go do much in the studio anymore. But I think that would be a fun thing for Paul to join up with the Stones just to see how they play it. Yeah, we saw uh, Bruce uh, with uh, uh, with. Uh, Bruce Springsteen and I mean yeah, I'm sorry we saw Paul with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band um, yeah. recently and you know it was a lot of fun seeing him on stage and, uh, with a with a great band like that so mm. I would say that um, you know Dylan's the easy one uh, I'm not sure who Paul I mean John can work with John if you notice John he, he didn't really go outside of his uh, circle as much as maybe he could have or should have right um, and part of it has to do you know would Yoko be there? Um, you know, would, would he have done a Yoko, I mean, a solo album after, let's say he, you know, he wasn't murdered, would he have done a solo album again? Or would everything have to be John and Yoko? Um, we, we, we'll never know, obviously, but that's something to think about. And then, he, you know, what, what do we know about when he uh, did Double Fantasy? Was he tell Andy Newmark? He said, play like Ringo. <laughs> so you might as well get Ringo. Yeah, right. Know? Or why get a so, copy, get the real one, right? Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, George, I think was the easiest one for the for to work with other people because I think he he re- he always worked to the song. He was always George Harrison, but he was always cool. Everyone who's ever worked with I've read about said he was really cool about being George Harrison. And what if George worked with Cheryl Crow? That would be such a great thing. I mean, wow. you know, you know, that would yeah, be He is a big admirer of George. Or, or you know what? Maybe even George and, and Ann Wilson. Oh yeah. Wow. Ooh, wow. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my I'm gonna give my George answer then. Um, What's your George answer? My George answer is, is maybe a bit of a cop out, but for me my George answer um would be to have seen him work with Danny. I would like to I would love well, to Well he they did on Horse to the them. Water, so um Yeah. Well, all right, so no, I guess that's true. Yeah, I can't use that then. Can't use it. Did it over. Well, you can use it because that was the last thing John uh, George ever did. So um, yeah, it's symbolic true. as well as um, yeah, I suppose about a lot of things. There's so much, so much about that song that that's really great. And, and working with his son was part of it too. Can I throw George this? But George could have worked with Tom Petty as a, just as a solo, not 
as a Wilbury. Right, right. Because that would have actually been kind of, because, you know, George got to sound a little like Dylan at the end. Well, he did uh, do I Won't Back Down. He played uh, acoustic guitar and did some backing vocals. Yeah. That is in the video, too. So yeah, Ringo's in the video, but he didn't play on the album. That's true. I know. I know that. If uh, I could throw he a, is on Wildfire uh, Flowers, though, so just to yeah. let you guys know. If I could so, throw a, a weird sure. one out there. Do you think that, um, do you think that either of them, um, well, it, Paul's around, so we know Paul wouldn't because he hasn't or he didn't. Would John have done anything with XTC? I think he would have liked them. Okay, um, you don't see. Would John have done something with Cheap Trick? Well, he, he well, would. He have gone, would he have gone in and if Cheap Trick said, hey, you know, one good turn. Hey, John, would John have done something with the B-52s and included Yoko? Oh. That, would been a, that would have been great. He mentioned them in, in the 1880s. Right, but he mentioned them really for Yoko as, her, as an influence. They yeah, were, but, that's, but that's the song when he heard a, a Rock Lobster. Rock Lobster, yeah. He said, we got to go back into the studio now. They, they caught up. Here's the other question, too. I mean, I know that may have been too similar, but maybe not. Would John have gotten to Declan first? That's true. Given no. a few more years, would, would John have gravitated and said, you know, wow, this Probably not. guy's, you know. No, I no? think, you know what? He was so into Yoko as a collaborator. And he was getting, and, you know, 1980 was the first time she was accepted, really. You know, because, you know, because of... Uh, double fantasy. I think he would have kept going with her. I don't think he would have really had his mindset to do any collaboration with anyone. Yeah, because walking, we're on, just walking saying, on the know, ice was just who would, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's true. And, and Bongo, let's see, who would Bongo go with? I, I honestly think I would love to hear Bongo still do something with Bonnie Raitt. That'd be great. I mean, you know, she'd be perfect, you know, guitar player for him and she sings great too, so yeah, and she's that'd be a good choice. And he is, and you know, she, yeah, does, I, she gets into the country when she wants. Right, and 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 actually, Ringo's played with most people he's wanted to play with. You know, they come and they guest on his records, and, yeah, and with the All Star Band too. And, you know, you know, I mean, you know, he played with uh, two members of the band. He played with two members of the Eagles and two members of the E Street Band, and with his son. So he's he's played live with a lot of people, and. Um, yeah, How about right. Paul and Bonnie Raitt? That's interesting too. Sure. Oh, you can, I'd love to you see can do R a lot of people. I'd love to see Ringo with like a Mandy Barnett. I'd love to see Ringo with like a somebody doing rockabilly, like somebody just just you know, yeah, pure straight ahead rockabilly. Just to have had Ringo. So how about and Ringo and Brian Setzer? That's really fun. Only That's only, really fun. only if it's the full orchestra. Brian Setzer orchestra, not just Brian oh, yeah. Setzer. I want the whole orchestra. I think okay. that'd be great. Ringo as a stray cat? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something else. Wow. <laughs> well, Ringo just, right, Ringo just 1973, worked. You know, with the greased back hair from That'll Be the Day. Yeah, right. 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 But Ringo just uh, did a song with uh, The Weight. He did it with Robert, uh, Robbie Robinson and a whole bunch of other people. Oh, yeah, that was a collaboration. So that was, uh, you know, he drummed. He didn't sing on it, so, sadly, but he did drum. Sadly? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, sadly, sadly. What did I say, badly? No, sadly. you said sadly, sadly but, no. but, but it would have been badly. Uh, no, no. Oh. I mean, oh, come on. No, I'm no. kidding. It was, he, he opens. He says something at the beginning of this track, and then, then he starts drumming. And so it, it worked out pretty well. Take a load off, Fanny. Personally, I'd like to see Paul play well. I'll do a whole album with Steve Miller. Uh, I thought that awesome. was, I think, what yeah. the beautiful part of working with Steve Miller is, is that, 
Paul doesn't have to worry about being the lead guitarist. He can be the bassist and the drummer and everything else. And let you let Steve do the picking, and it so works about, very well. What about Paul with Robbie Robertson? I don't know. <laughs> just totally silent. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's really funny. You said it too. I was like, oh, I don't well, know. Well, he did. Uh, he did call Perkins "Blue Suede Shoes" with Robbie Robertson in the band. See, I could uh, see him more Hall of Fame. I could right. honestly have seen Paul McCartney more with Levon Helm. Than yeah. Robbie. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I can see that. We could just have Ringo with Levon, and there'll be nothing except two drummers. <laughs> well, Levon, two drummers. Uh, I know he played uh, mandolin. Yes, he's part did, of yeah. on the All Star Band. So I mean, he, he we, was have, good on that. Have we covered everybody? I think we have. Yeah. I, I All right. So, so uh, thank you for the question. Great question. Whoever you are, that was a good question. Yes. Yeah, so, so thank you. We How are about going Paul to with Yoko and George with Yoko. Well, <laughs> you know, we George, Paul that. did work with Yoko. I know Hiroshima. Hiroshima skies blue. I think. Whenever that, that's it's a long Hiroshima. Name. The Hiroshima song. The yeah. Hiroshima song. You make it sound it's like on, a, it's on YouTube. It's a little number. The Hiroshima Yeah. All right, we ready for question two? Yes, we are. All right, here we go. Get you ready then. Hey guys, looking forward to a great show. Um, my question is about uh, the American Capital albums and uh, the job that Dave Dexter did with all the Echo. Uh, what's your final analysis on the whole series from like, you know, Beatles 65 or Beatles 6 and something new? Uh, Yes, there was all that, that Echo added, but there were a lot of albums back then, like even the Dave Clark Five albums added all sorts of Echo on on the American releases. And um, just, uh, I, I think those albums still hold a place in American popular culture and adding to the mania of, of the, the group as a whole to be in America. So I, I, I find them valid. It's it's nice now that we have the uh, original pressings as they were, but back then it, those albums were important. So, uh, what do you think? Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, now we know that's Bob. Yep, that's Bob from Mineola. Bob from Mineola. Thanks, Bob. Um, you know, it's funny because Tony, we just had a question on Facebook by Dave Thomas. Yes, on our Facebook page where he asked about his recollections of Beatles' second album. Well, because it, it, we're the day that we're recording this, it wasn't this the anniversary of the release date? I think. Yes, I believe so. So yeah. he asked. He loved it. What did everybody else think? And it's overwhelmingly positive. I said, even though it's fully Dexterized, it still rocks and it's and it's lively. And you know that was the overall theme of the thread everybody seemed to really love it um and that's the Beatles second album and we know he did more you know we don't know if he if Dave Dexter we alluded to this in the Meet the Beatles show but we don't know if Dave Dexter actually did it as a dig at the Beatles just throw an echo on it because you know he was proven this wrong. is what the kids are gonna like kids don't like <laughs> real music kids well like because he he turned them down so he you know yeah. he was forced to to do things with them so you know, he might he might have just put Echo on just to screw them over or think he was screwing them over. But you know what? That's the way we, as Bob alluded to, that's the way the, everybody in America grew up with them. So I loved, I liked what he did. I mean, back, it, it always seemed sacrilege. But then when you heard the UK albums come out and you heard the dry mixes of like, I feel fine and she's a woman, I missed the... Uh, oh, Echo. What's funny you say that. Um, I feel fine. Absolutely not. I feel fine when I heard the clean version. I, I, 
I think I literally just breathed. It was like, oh, oh me too. God. But but it's still, you know, I still from my childhood up, I still heard the, you know, the Echo version. So yeah, but that, but that most I heard Echo was... Valley two six eight oh nine. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, the um, that those two tracks you mentioned were actually mixed by George Martin. So and he put a lot, you know, he knew what was going on. He put a lot of echo on purpose. Say, you want echo, here's some echo. Um, oh, that's, I, that's, wow, that's true. That's fast. So the, they were different right. mixes. But the thing about uh, the American albums, as a person who bought the, the British first, um, I, I, I was more bothered that the, the albums were either 12 tracks or 11 tracks than yeah. the echo. And part yeah. of it also, you know true, what? Yeah. Um, American radio, AM radio, sort of needed that sound. And, you know, maybe they would, you know, fix the singles sometimes, but not, not with the Beatles, but with, maybe with other bands. But AM radio in this country sort of needed that sound. So, you know, we, we're sort of used to it, and it's our history, and it's sort of been taken care of now for the most part. Not everything, obviously, but a lot of it. And for the most part, I'm happy with it. Yeah, but they didn't do this any other country, at least to my knowledge. No, and that's, I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. That, that's something that, that, you know, always troubled me. I mean, I do agree with you that when it comes to U.S. radio, uh, and, you know, let's face it, I mean, the, guy, the guys were, you know, John talks about Phil Spector and being a big Spector fan and the echo that was always right, right. on that. But it just felt, I guess, um, as I got older and became more of like a Beatles fan, you know, someone who was, who was studying the stuff or, you know, reading up a lot about it. I think I just became more bitter about the echo and stuff because it was, it was compromising what they originally intended. Sure. This got sure. me angry because it was, it was just sort of, you know, Yes, How, but as a journalist, you you got that way. Well, not as a journalist, as a as, well, what, as what a, was becoming like a budding music historian, I guess. Okay, my argument that's, what, was, that's what I meant. Yeah, my my argument wasn't just like, well, hey, you 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 know, you pos, like, how did you have the nerve to like ruin what what the Beatles were giving you as being their mixes? But when you were a you kid know. and first heard it, what were your impressions? Um, I think. Like I say, the second album, I don't know why, just because the album is such fire. The album is just such rock and roll fire. Um, I can handle the reverb, you know. Um, listening back to certain things on, you know, a little bit on Meet the Beatles, certainly on some of the later stuff, mm -hmm. um, it, 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 it always felt like something that they, that they you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're only in possession of the American records, you just thought it was an effect they were adding. So I yeah, we didn't know anything about Dave Dexter. Yeah, but I did question it. I'd be like, wow, they sure want that stuff to sound echoey. Like I, I knew of the idea of echo. So I was like, wow, they really love like a whole lot of echo on their records. Mm. So I guess then as I got older and found out, no, they didn't want all that echo on the records. Somebody else did. It kind of confirmed what my head was feeling a little bit about it. But I do, again, as you said, Mitch, I agree with Rob that it, it, it kind of is still in our DNA as American Beatle fans. It is. But you know what the thing about it also is it's really 64 and 65. Uh, uh, there were different mixes on yesterday and today, but there wasn't a lot of remixing on that. And Revolver was basically the same 
mixes for the most part. There's three miss different. There's three missing songs there, but um, and I think you know Dexter was taken off by then too. And then once yeah. they re-signed their contract in '67, everything matched ex for the most right. part. So um, I, I think it's just really if you think about '64 um, as as the you know are we more angry about the mixes or the the echo, or are we more angry that they shuffled the the songs around? Personally, I think some of them worked better when they were shuffled around. Uh, so you know, no one ever talks about that about the shuffling of the music, but Sure. Oh, well, some people, people always do. talk about it. Yeah, but, but we, like, we talk like about we, it on our last like, show on Meet the Beatles. Right, but but it's also the same thing. Like, you know, Beatles Six sounds better as an album than the you know Beatles for Sale on you know, the Help album. You know, the, all the leftover stuff from there that ended up on. Wait, wait what? Beatles, I, don't, Beatles, I don't agree with you. Beatles you know? Six is a better album than Beatles Sixty Five. No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, no, like no. The, he was the, the way they mixed the it together. Oh, yeah. Versus the UK. Like First Beatles sixty five was he saying is better than Beatles for Sale? Oh, yeah, because as I feel fine and she's a woman on it. Oh, I see what you mean. It's debatable, yeah. but but again, as Americans, <clears throat> excuse okay. me, as Americans, we uh, you know until we found the imports, which was later, we didn't know about that stuff. So as we said in the last show, so you know, it, it to me. The American albums were good because that's all we got. That's all we had until, that's like you said, right. Tony, we got later. Later, we found the UK pressings. Later, we found the real reason in history why they were had echo. So until we grew up and started delving into the history of the Beatles, I, I loved them. I really did. It was all we grew yeah, up. With. Well, but we had. But it's it's like I said, we loved them because those were our Beatles records. You know, right. I mean, we had no choice. And and had we been in England, well, I mean, no, had we been in England, we would have been hearing them pure, and they would have int introduced the reverb, and we would have thrown things. But, um, <laughs> but for us, it's it's like, yeah, you know, I guess, um, I don't know, you, you're you're right, but I just question. I don't know, could we have been more fans? I was going to say, could we have been bigger fans if we'd have gotten no. them without the reverb? I don't know. No, it but, wouldn't have mattered. Plus, no. you know, I'm I'm curious. If we were living in the UK and we got the collection of Beatles oldies in December of what, 65? Six. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, did they get pissed off because it was just a compilation? Like we had compilations of yesterday and today and basically uh, most of the American albums were compilations. compilations. There you go. Oh, yeah, but they you were. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was all we had. So I, I, I love them. I'm glad we got them uh, on the uh, separate releases now um you know from 2004 and six whatever and uh, 2014 so, too yes yeah so yeah, yeah. One, one more thing 14 was different rob um, what 14 was different though yeah they they, they you're right i agree they made them the uk different. versions except with very little exception right well m right. they, they took away the dual phonics order they, and all that stuff they took out the dual phonics stuff which yeah. was really phony baloney stuff to begin anyway with. right yeah, but so. one more thing about uh, the, the thing about the U.S. releases, uh, you know, after a while, they, I mean, after a while, the Beatles established themselves. So if they were just one of these bands of, you know, after a year and a half flew away, you know, we, you know, we wouldn't care. <laughs> you right. know, so I think that's right. part of it. Well, too. We wouldn't be doing the show. So. But, I, but I, well, it is interesting to Rob's point about the idea that bands like Dave Clark Five and those bands, yes, that's true. We did have, but Dave Clark Five, you know, I mean, I'm a fan 
um, you know, for those who are hardcore Dave Clark Five fans, they have their opinions about the American mixes of their right. stuff versus the UK. Uh, for me, I make note of stuff like um, the MGM Herman's Hermit singles. I don't remember those being awash with reverb. I mean, right. I remember the the opening of Mrs. Brown. You've got a lovely daughter being pretty darn clean. You know, no, you're right. You're right. So, certainly but again, they didn't have a. Da you guys are missing one thing. Capital had Dave Dexter, but MGM Epic did obviously. Not. Yeah, but Epic obviously had an equivalent because they did that to the to the Dave Clark records. Yes, yeah. but you know it depended on who was working there and who wanted to do yeah. what. So, yeah. I, I like the American album. So, all right. Well, before we Thanks go to question number three, I'm going to change my background. Sorry. Oh my god. I just was getting tired of floating around in that purple. <laughs> anyway. Right now you look like in a capital swirl like ear. I've got, I was going to say I've got mouse beetle mouse ears. All right, now we can move on to question number three. Number three. three. Number three. three. Here we go. You see that? Hi, guys. This is Andrew Chess from Los Osos, California. Uh, my question is, what is your favorite Beatle post-breakup Beatle collaboration song involving two or more Beatles? I really like Beautiful Night from the Flaming Pie album. But I'd like to hear what your uh, favorites are. Okay, bye. Interesting, because there weren't that many. Well, a lot of Paul and Ringo because they were alive a lot longer. Um, I got mine. Okay, I, I'll tell you mine. Go ahead. My Go my favorites are um, anything that George is playing on the Imagine album. I was going to say, oh, oh, my love. That's that's for me is a perfect candidate. Uh, it's it's one of the four, but I but or how do you sleep? I mean, my goodness. But how probably, do you sleep? Some great play in there. But probably, oh my love is that's that may be the one that that caps it. I think. Um, well, it's so beautifully played. You know, it's like wow, this is yeah. so perfect. Um, I can agree with that. You know, he did five songs on Imagine with John. So right, five, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah and so, I think they really shine on the new box. That's what. That's what. Really oh God, yeah. Really out with John, but um, you know what? Uh, obviously, I love Photograph and I love It Don't Come Easy with yeah, George and Ringo. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're one. thinking, Rob. I know why you <laughs> laughed. <laughs> He did write it. <laughs> he co-wrote it, man. Yes, we've always had an argument whether George co-wrote or wrote it. Don't come that's easy, so but we'll just say they did it together. Um, yes, that's a that's I love those. Um, you know, for George, uh, for Ringo and John, I, I I mean the Plastic Ono Band. I mean, take take your pick on any one of those songs. Remember, because it's a weird thing, or God. For Ringo um, and John, uh, that's true. John, I keep forgetting. True, that's those are John and Ringo collaborations too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, those are great. I mean, you know, they they yeah. really. Uh, is there any one that's a stinker? I mean, really, that if that you could think of. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's another one that I absolutely freaking love, and I know it was just a pure pop song, but I've always loved "Rack My Brain." Oh yeah, well George always loved Rack really My Brain on the harmonies there. Yeah, yeah. Rack I mean, My Brain that... is a fun song. It went to number thirty-eight, I believe, right, Rob? Yeah, it did. It did went to number thirty-eight, and it's also um, very much how George was feeling at the time because it, it easily could have fit on uh, the redone somewhere in England. Um, some so, yeah, somewhere in England. So it, yeah. it talks about you know 
getting screwed over a little bit, you know, and we trying don't to have, fit in. And stuff we don't like have that. a George vocal on that anywhere, do we? Uh, well, no, Rack My Brain is a demo. We don't have a Rack My Brain demo. I, I, I don't remember. No, but but um, if the way Ringo works is he always said, if you wrote the song, I want to hear the vocal so I can sing to it. So no, it's I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's somewhere. Um, and for, for George, we got to say, uh, the only thing we can say for George and Paul is really all those years ago. Yeah, where Paul's barely heard. No, he's the shooped up the waddy waddies. That doesn't sound like Paul at all. That's Paul, Linda, and Denny. That's Paul, Linda, and Denny. I know, but it sounds like they put yeah. it through something. It is, yeah. Uh, it's it going is, through a but phase. it's still it's, them. Yeah, but it's still them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say, actually, part of uh, the Plastic Ono Band, and, and I think it sh showed a lot of re respect for John and Yoko, I guess, is that Don't Worry Kyoko has some great playing with John and Ringo. Ringo, Ringo plays oh, drums yeah. crazily on that song, and it's why John loved that song so much, the performance. So I would say that, but Plastic Ono Band was, yeah, I often wondered how Ringo would have played on the Imagine album because he really should have been there, but he wasn't. Uh, that was how play, right? Yeah, for the most yeah. part. So yeah. I would go with that. Um, uh, you know, don't worry, Kyoko. So it was done the same sessions, even though wow, it's credited Yoko Ono. Man, you're right. Ringo's just yeah. out of control. He's, he's going crazy drumming on that. It's just, it's, he really didn't, and John didn't play like that ever again, really. The way walking he on felt, thin ice. Walking on well, thin Walking ice. on Thin Ice was different. That's much more uh, of a settled song than some yeah, of Yoko's yeah. stuff was. Well, approximately uh, infinite, John's a monster as a, as a guitar player on that. Right? Good point. Yeah, good point. But but he didn't play on the whole record. Yeah. Right. So right. Um, I would say uh, Ringo playing with uh, George on all, all would, oh, My Sweet Lord would be a good example of uh, him playing on that uh, for, for George. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. What about, uh, uh, what about living in the material world? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I, didn't that's, I mean, there's nothing stands okay. out. No, yeah. there's not. But it's just fun to have the actual reference. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> that that you know, and, yeah. Uh, there's early 1970, and then there's uh, you know, living in the material world. Um, <laughs> and, or God, George, if you want to George that played too. on early 1970. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, um, that's a great one too. I, that's a such a great B side. Yeah. And it's short, but it's really good. Yeah. But it says everything you need to say. What's going on in his <laughs> life? It's a. It's a. It's a great melody too. Um, I, I love "Really Love You" with Paul and uh, and Ringo, mm. and I, I I just like his drumming on it. Uh, "Beautiful Night's really good though, because "Beautiful, Beautiful Night" the Night, remake version, yeah. Well, you know what it is. His vocal sort of sounds like "Carry That Weight," where you could definitely hear Ringo, right, right, carry that weight, yeah, and yeah. You could definitely hear Ringo on the on yeah. "Beautiful Night" at the end, you know. So that that's interesting. Um, it's a good song too, "Beautiful Night." But uh, you know what? I mean, I'm going to be really controversial here and say uh, for John and Paul, um, Band on the Run, <laughs> because that one line, if I ever get, you know, if we ever get out of here, you know, everybody always says it sounds like John. I know it's not. It's uh -huh. I think it sounds a lot more like William Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's William Campbell and John. Yeah, right. <laughs> I watch Willie Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you yeah. know what? They always, people always say that one little line, if we ever get out of here, sounds like John singing. But Denny sounded like John. 
Yeah. Yeah, you oh, did. Honestly. I know. I, I'm just kidding. I also love uh, Ringo's song "Walk with You" that Paul added the uh, the backing okay. vocal on. Yeah, that's such a perfect backing vo vocal on that. And I love the way the story went. Ringo was listening. I mean, Paul was listening to the album and he heard that song. He said, "Play it back," and he said, "I'm going to sing to this." And he and he sang to it without really thinking about it. It just sounds so perfect. And then, the way and then uh, if, it, if it if it had matched. Uh, the vocals had matched. It wouldn't have been the same if he was, he was singing off and it was actually sounding better because of it. And then Ringo wanted to wipe the vocals like Paul Simon did with Audie Garfunkel. <laughs> but Ringo couldn't figure out how to work the tape. <laughs> okay, that's not true, but you know that. Come on. I think, I think, the, uh, I think their, uh, their collaboration on that uh, the classic um, uh, performance in L.A. when they did um, – uh, what the hell's the song they do in that Toot and Snore and Seven? Oh my God! All of that What's is that hard. disaster? It's just thirty minutes of your life you never get back. But um, yeah, they, they do horrible. they do one song they try to get away with, take this hammer or something like that. That is just wow. They should have taken the hammer and put and put them taking it to the take the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Um, well, so, one, one more one more song, and 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 John borrowed the same strum when he did Stand by Me. Uh, John had recommended to uh, Ringo that he do only you. And it became a top ten hit oh, for yeah. Ringo. Yeah. And Man, John, it, it sounds like John singing background music. It's actually Harry Nilsson. Harry Nilsson. Yeah. And but the way John's strumming, it's just that strum. That's a, he he reused it on Stand by Me, which was a good choice too. Absolutely. But he but only you was was really a, a different remake than the standard version that Ringo sometimes does. Yeah. Not that that's bad, but he he changed a group vocal song to a you know, a, a strumming campfire song. So well, and there's, um, there is video or audio somewhere where people have connected both the guide vocal and Ringo. So it's right. Like, right. That's yeah, it. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are going to take a break for a few minutes here on fab for free for all. We are going through some listener calls. Thank you all for um, sending your calls in, sending your calls in, making your calls. And that was and, Andrew, uh, by the way, Andrew chess. The, uh, yes, yeah. Andrew Chess, sorry. Um, and uh, okay, Thanks, we'll man. be back in just a few moments. Hi, folks. This is Tony from Fab Four Free For All. As Mitch has mentioned several times, the cast of Fab Four Free For All do not profit in any way doing these shows for all of you. In fact, we actually lose money because of studio time and other production expenses. Now, we have looked into show sponsors, but for a number of reasons, we've decided it would be in the best interest of all of us, including you, our listeners, not to have sponsored ads in our shows. So, what we've done is set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows artists to obtain funding from patrons on a recurring basis. Now, it can be as little or as much as you think you can send to us for the work that we put into providing quality Fab Four free-for-all shows. Now, we know that we have thousands of worldwide listeners, and if each of you just contributed a dollar a month, that's just 25 cents per episode, we would have enough to retire and not have to do these shows. <laughs> Sorry. Seriously, though, we've gotten some great feedback from everyone about how much these shows mean to you, and we feel the same way. But it would be nice if we could break even in terms of costs so that we can continue to bring these shows to you in a timely fashion. Yeah, I know, we can be delayed every once in a while, but that's because, as John Lennon so beautifully said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. But we do vow to make every effort to have a quality show to you every week. 
We only ask that everyone go and visit Patreon.com to at least check out what it's all about and to see if you can contribute a little something in return for all the hard work and effort that we put into these shows for you. Just do a search for Fab Four Free For All and tell us that you give a buck about what we do. Thanks to all of you for being such great loyal listeners. And we're back. <laughs> um, I don't know what that was. Yeah, what was and jazz? you're back. Anyway, and, uh, jazz hands? I have to remember. And we're, back. and we're back. Jazz hands. Wow. Well, it's very psychedelic with the jazz. Anyway. Um, all right. We are taking listener calls here on Fab Four Free For All. And um, uh, we've three got good calls. Some, yes, some really good calls and more to come. So hang in there as we go to the very next four. Hey, guys, it's Mark Carvel from Biloxi. My question is this. What do you guys think the reason George always had more of a disdain for Paul after, say, recording Hey Jude, when it was Paul who continually helped George more with the recording of his own songs? John clearly was done appearing on George's recordings around that time, yet George continued to appear on John's recordings even after the breakup. Love to hear your comments and love your show. Thanks, guys. Interesting. Wow. That, it's a true point. Um, there is a, a hole where John doesn't seem to be playing on the Beatle recordings that George did, but he is on Old Brown Show. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's a, that's contributing a lot question. to Old Brown Shoe, actually. What? Tri- contributing a lot to Old Brown Shoe, actually. Right. So I just, um, I just think that there's, you know, and this is nothing against Paul. So please, people, don't take it against that. What that as that. But I just think at some point, you know, George was hating the the Beatles in general, and and especially Paul. You know, Paul was trying to be the leader, even though not trying to be the leader. But John was doing other stuff, especially after Hey Jude. And, you know, he was more interested in Yoko and, and we've said it before, drugs. And, you know, Paul was then like the quote leader and George hated that because George, you know, just didn't deal with that well. Um, Cause he was getting stuff on his own too. And I, I just think that it was just not, not that he hated Paul. He, you know, um, he used, Mark said, uh, disdain. I'm not sure it was disdain. I just think it was just fed up with everything. So it wasn't just Paul, but Paul happened to be like, you know, we always say Paul acted like, you know, kind of like a dick and let it be, you know, even though he was trying yeah. to keep the group together. But, um, you know, and, and George had enough there too. He left, what, January 9th or something? He yeah, left. So, or whatever. Yeah. So, what, you know, what is that, Rob? I just, January 10th. Jerry 10th, right, right, right. Yeah. You were both close. I said nine, you said 11, you said 10. Yes. Bingo. Um, so I just think they were getting tired of each other and John was off doing whatever. So, you know, it was only Mickey, Dave, and Tish, so to speak. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think it wasn't disdain. I think they were just well, growing apart. Well, you get, I, get, I think you get a vibe of, of, <clears throat> of disdain or disgust. Disgust is better. When you, when you hear the line... Um, you know, well, I don't care if he doesn't want it in his show. Like, that's said pretty scornfully in a way. Um, yeah. and, and sort of basically, you know, putting the blame of, of let it be, like, almost entirely on Paul. But you can understand um, that. 
After watching, wait, time out. After watching Michael Lindsay Hogg's Let It Be, you can understand that. If we see That's the true. new one, <laughs> the new Let It Be, it's going to be like George has flowers coming out of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where they got the flowers for the, <laughs> the drums for Ringo in 68. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's just, I, I, you could understand, Tony, well, where he was coming from in Let It Be. But, but Paul, to his credit, did try to keep, you know, but George. But then again, look at, look at uh, Abbey Road. It was, uh, you know, a couple of tracks are just Ringo, George, and... Um, and Paul. And yeah. Paul. And they yeah. seem to be playing well there. And part of was it, all I think, of that is, intentional, or was part of that because of John's car accident? Part was John's car accident, but um, if you think about it, they, it was the three of them that started many of the tracks, and then John came in and added a couple of things. Not on every track, obviously, uh, but I think even Sour Milk C. Yeah, look, they, wow, they, three, that's a three good Beatles thought. on that track, not John, right? Um, so. I think maybe maybe for a little while, you know, George was angry at Paul for how he was treated. I, I personally agree with Paul that, the, you know, what George wanted to do with those, like, fills wouldn't have been right for Hey Jude. It worked on Real Love, where yeah. George put in those, those probably the exact type of fills he wanted to do. But it so, would have worked on Hello Goodbye. Uh, Come on. Know, you man. say yes, doodle-doo, doodle-doo. It didn't sound bad at all. It's not like it would have made it a better song, but it wouldn't have made it a worse song. That's true. That's true. Well, no one, no one talks about Hello Goodbye. Good point. But everyone talks about Hey Jude. But I, then, I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, you go, about Tony. No, I think, I think part of what, and I won't say we're missing, but because we kind of try to look at things from all the different angles, but I think part of the thing that when it comes to using words like scorn, disdain, disgust, whatever it is, um, we're leaving out the idea that, that they, they really, and they've always said this and we always allude to it, but they've all, they really were like brothers. And George yeah. was the younger brother. Right. And you get, you know what, you can, hold, you can hold a grudge against the sibling more than you can against any other human being in the world. Mm. But the reality is too that you can also be really pissed at a sibling about something and let it hang in the air for a little bit and go on with your relationship and have everything else work and be great and be fine and <sighs> acknowledge what they're doing for you. And, and the idea is that, you know, maybe there was stuff that George was pissed about and he's still talking about, hey, uh, still talking about, you know, the guitar thing when they're recording, hey, Jude, you see it in the, the run throughs, you see, there were things that. And, you know, it comes up again during the down, 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 down in the Let It I've Be movie it, yeah. and the argument right. comes back. So, you know what? The Hey Jude thing was a, was a sore spot. It was a scab is what it was. So I see that coming up, you know, um, the person who asked the question, bringing up that sort of after Hey Jude. Um, but I don't know if it was like, like we're saying. I think that Paul did... George was bringing stuff to the table more so in a lot of ways than Paul, than John was. So Paul was in a really, really weird spot. Did, did Paul need to defer to John? If John brought something in, did Paul sit there and go, all right, George at least has a song. So let me work on it with him. Let me work on all things must pass with him. Let me come up with some harmonies. Let me do some stuff. Because you know what, damn it, he's got something. No pun intended. Right. 
He's got something. John got Ugats right now. So was it this idea that Paul, and, and this is not, this is to Paul's discredit in a way. Paul was kind of like, all right, well, baby brother's got something at least. Let's give him a shot and see if the other guy wakes up. If the other guy wakes up, maybe he'll have something better and we can do what we always did. The problem is, Tony, yeah. that later on in life, Paul must have known that George held some antagonistic feelings towards him because when they did in 94, the Free as the Bird and Real Love, as Rob mentioned um, earlier, you know, Paul purposely, like he let, you know, he Jeff deferred. He deferred. He deferred, he deferred right. to George. Great. Good word. He deferred to George in a lot of ways. First of all, with George Martin, uh, with uh, Jeff Lynn, Jeff Lynn, because yeah. they could have used George Martin. Uh, and also he deferred to him, you know, a lot in the music. Uh, and he said, you know, okay, I'll, because he didn't want the tension because he knew there was tension. So there must have been some feelings, you know, other than business. It, mu it must have well, been. It must have also been a reality check because here it was, yeah. however many years later. And it was, gee, you know what? Uh, this young fellow had a pretty decent career. <laughs> also, you know, if you think I mean, about it, think yeah. about like when, you know, uh, Paul starts playing lead guitar, like on Another Girl and uh, Taxman. You know, he's taken over what George would do. But he did an homage to George on Taxman. Yeah, I, I know that. And George even said it sounded like a sitar, which is what he wanted. Right. But it's still, it's George's song, and I guess he was okay, but other songs it wasn't. It wouldn't you know, have happened girl was, if George hadn't been okay. Right, but uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, maybe that's bothering him in the background. He's saying, "Hey, I'm the I'm the guitar player," but then again, on some of the Abbey Road stuff, he's George is the bass playing, player. Yeah, he's playing bass. Sure. So it's exactly. it's sure. it's interesting how you know what part of it you know when George felt. Yeah, and 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 I always felt when and 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 Paul said this in a you know an interview a while ago, but it was after George had died. He he called him his baby brother. And yeah. and I can see George if he wasn't cremated, putting himself back together and slapping Paul <laughs> in the face. He's eight months. He's eight months older than George, and he's my baby brother. I mean, that's kind yeah, of yeah. But funny. he was but he was a grade below. Yes, that's true. You're right. You're right. It's and, like you and know, that fifth grade and fourth grade. You, that stays with you your whole life. You know, I agree. And maybe that's why George always was would follow John because John was the older guy and he wanted to hang out with him which right. John had mentioned in the a Playboy interview. So uh, that is part of it, too. Um, you know, George also said he'd rather play with Willie Weeks and Paul McCartney. Well, so, yeah, but that, you know, that was in the height of, that was like in what, 74 or 5 or 6? Yeah, it was around there, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, and I understand as much as George embraced it. the Beatles thing at that point, yeah. he still, you know, and, and it was only that, six years since they divorced, right, right. so to speak. It was actually right. two years since they were... Legally, legally. yeah, yeah. What was, yeah. What, was, what was George giving us around that time? Wasn't that extra texture, I think, around that period, too? Well, 75, but then 76 was uh, 33 and third, third. Yeah, but, you know, he would have yes, rather played with all those slick L.A. session guys that brought him extra texture. But the only problem, too, is, you know, I, at the end when, you know, I, I don't like it now when Paul says, oh, you know, George did, I, if I, if George wasn't around, I wouldn't have had And I Love Her because he did the, you know, do, 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 do. Now he gives credit. Where was Paul giving credit? You know, he had 40 years 
prior to give him all the credit in the world while he was alive. He never once said that well, in any interview. Why did he do it now? Because he must have been like, he must have had guilty feelings. He must have guilty feelings. Well, also the uh, anthology came out too. And we, we heard how it started. And then, you know, no one had, no one had heard that version of uh, And I Love Her before it came out. And all of a sudden we hear a, a folk strum version instead of, you know, the classic version we know and love. Right. So, but and all of a sudden. Paul never people, mentioned George. No, no. But th- then if you, let's say, you know, had an interview with Paul in 1997, you could say, hey, Paul, And I Love Her, man, that didn't start out the way it finished. What happened? And then he could say, well, George came up with the riff. But he never did. But he did, but after anthology. He was never asked. I think, asked. He, did after, I think he, he only mentioned that after George died. Yeah, yeah. You're, well, you, Mitch is right. He did only mention it after uh, George died. But Rob is right, too, by saying that, Gabby that Johnson's you, know, right. you never asked. You know, right. I, mean, we, I mean, if nobody ever said, if nobody ever brought up the song, I don't think, I don't think in 1997 Paul wouldn't have said, Oh, you know, yeah, actually, you know, that great lick, you know, that's, that's, was all George, you know. That, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know. So if he got a co-writing credit? Yes. <laughs> oh, why not? I and think sure, so. why not? <laughs> yeah. All right, so what I do we think? I hope answered your question, Mark. What's that? I hope we've answered Mark's I question. I hope so, yeah, but I think, I think it, it made for some interesting conversation. Always does. So, shall we move on to our next question? Yes. Number, numero, numero chingue. Chingue? Chingue. That's an old good. All right. That's an old good. Here we go. Hi, it's Al O'Leary from Staten Island, New York. I love the show. You three guys are great and funny. Uh, My question is, with the technology that will allow them to remix the earliest Beatle albums, Meet the Beatles, Beatles second album, those, do we run the risk with the remix of erasing some of the audio magic? That's it. (laughs) Love the podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Interesting again because well, I, I mentioned it. You know, with I don't think you remix Meet the Beatles or a second album. I think you just leave them alone and you work with with the Beatles and you know a Hard Day's Night. Let's say you've got I, to I'm, use the UK versions. Yes, you do. You that's what you know. You can't use the the the, the Dexter versions. Those those are like time capsules, and I think they. Really, to remix them, you know, well, I didn't say that. You eventually, <laughs> you, eventually you, you pull up a time capsule and you say, oh, look at this wine that's no one's drank in 50 years. So I, I think um, Meet the Beatles, no, you don't remix that at all. You leave it alone. That's the time capsule. With the Beatles, I don't know how, you know, you do some of these, the two tracks, some of these recordings. They, a lot of them are done live. There's, there's mistakes, little mistakes that they were able to cover up. In many cases, sometimes not cover up. And not, yeah. Uh, you know, do you clean that up? You leave it alone. Uh, you know, what you're doing is missed vocals. Uh, you know, dizzy Miss Lizzie. George gets lost in the guitar solo, or or not a guitar solo, but the guitar, the the the, the riff the itself. Feet. Yeah, the riff itself. So, um, you know, what do you do with that? You know, would it be nice to fix it? Yeah, have it as another version. You know, if you want to you know, grab another riff from Dizzy Miss Lizzie and put it in the right spot to cover the mistake. I'm all for it. But at the same time, the, some of the mistakes are with the charm of those recordings. All right. The, the, the only thing that I will say, though, Rob, to what you were saying about Meet the Beatles and the two-track and all that stuff, is that um, with the current technology, they could, they could frequency-wise and sonically isolate 
instruments. No, you're right. You're right. That's, that's what they did with Hollywood both. Maybe, but there, but uh, there are things that you could do that would have would have changed that that wide stereo spectrum. Right. Um, you know, the vocals on the right, music on the left. It it even if even if you just did nothing more than just change the panning by by twenty five percent. Well, you'd um, have to. You'd have to, and that's and that's but, what I mean. But George you, Martin did that on on rock and roll music, where he came in and he re-panned stuff and he re-cued stuff. He didn't remix it, but it's it definitely has a different feel than the stuff we were used to, especially the early stuff. There was a big difference, and that's been out that's of print true. forever. So, so I think, not, listen, I think the I think whether it's the UK or I think uh, Al had mentioned that. Um, it's he mentioned Meet the Beatles, Beatles second album, but he's American. He's from New York, so I think he he was just saying it for you know because that's what he grew up with. But whether it's the American or the UK or whatever, I, I think all the early albums need remixing. They do, uh, but but I only go with the British albums on this one. Okay, well well again, it it doesn't matter. I know what you're saying about the time capsule because there's Dexterize and then you can get that in UK, but I, I do think that after Let It Be, and we we'll, we were going to talk about this in another show, but after Let It Be, you know, people are saying, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to go back? I think they need to go back. And it doesn't matter anniversary. I don't care if it's the 58th or the 57th. or the. It right. doesn't matter. Um, I do think, uh, you know, do they put a box out for each album? Maybe not. Maybe they put out a box for, we said this before, maybe all the 64 albums. I, that's um, what I think you need to do. I think you need to rearrange how these Or the Beatles work. 64, you know? Yes. Whatever. I gotta, and, yeah. <laughs> but everything needs, it does need remixing. But you know what? It's weird because I was listening to Please Please Me the other day in my car, or not in my car, um, and or whatever it was right before this pandemic. and. It was weird because, like, I'm listening to Boys, and Boys is so well recorded. You know, the the, the yeah. bastard version with the drums is just unbelievable. You could hear this the ride cymbal, everything. So, you know, do they all need a a wicked? No, but like Beatles for Sale, that calls for a remix. You need to brighten. Yeah, that up. you need to brighten up that album. I, I'm going to give you that. I think that is probably the only one out of them that I would say. I there's mean, desperate need of it. There's need of it because it's also there was more you could do. You started to add different things with different tracks. Um, but like no reply, to, that doesn't need a brightening up. And we have to remember that like you could only do so much with the two tracks, but there was, by, even by the time you got to Hard Day's Night, weren't you starting to bounce a little bit, Rob? There was some tracks. Yeah, they, uh, they were starting to bounce, uh, you know, when they start, to, they realize they can fill up a four track and then, yeah. you know, knock it to the next track, uh, next four track machine. Yeah, so the where first. we're going is uh, as soon as you get to a Hard Day's Night, you're in a position where if you have those original pre knockdowns, you can. Which supposedly they do. do. Yeah, so you can actually do some true remixing. So we're, we're leaving out that thought that. We just keep thinking, oh, we only had a four-track. What can you do? But maybe with the first two albums, you're you're limited, right? Um, but I think it's also the idea that, um, like I said, bringing things a little closer to get together in the panning, um, and I think just I don't know if you want to say brightening, but I do agree. The one thing that we're not touching on that's in the question is. 
does it take away some of the sonic charm? And I'd say if you think about the reactions to Help and Rubber Soul when they were remixed. Right. And how everybody essentially had an aneurysm over that. That's true. You know, there is something to be said about the sacredness of the sonic aspects to the Beatle albums and recordings that we know and love. Well, yeah, I, I don't go back and listen to those. Do you go back ever and listen to those? You know those what? 87 even mixes? the complaints, no, but even the complaints for the new from Sergeant Pepper on of the new remixes that Giles did. You know, we, we, a lot of times people have Sergeant Pepper, not as much, but the White Album and Abbey Road, people have said, you know, they, they, they lost the warmth. So, you know, will but then it, again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, that's no, right. no. Will it lose some of the magic? Maybe, but you know, if we have a remix and the and all the old versions, like we've said with the new ones, you can always go back and make your own and and right, have right. The, the magic to where you want it to be. So if they remix Roll Over Beethoven and and they take out the, the reverb altogether and they brighten it or whatever they do with it. If you want to hear that your version, you could still go back and play it. You don't have to take whatever they do now. Or yeah, no, that's a really like, good point. That's a yeah. really, really good. You point. always just say, "Okay, yeah. I have my '84 or '86 and '7 or whatever it is," and and you could you can even take your cassette if you want, and or a track, and just play whatever version you want. So, you know, we always we don't yell at people, but we say. You know, we get a little crazy when people say, oh, I don't want to have, I don't like this version. Well, you have 40 other versions to go play if you want. Well, Well, also the 5.1 mixes, the ones we've heard, have been really good. Yeah. And and think of what they did for love for some of the earlier tracks. What I did for love. (laughs) Was that the Beatles? They, they, (laughs) they, They made it sound really good. Now, it's, you know, it's maybe not a true 5.1 mix because they'd only taken it from a two track. But they were able to get something out of it, mm. um, and and maybe you, we listen more for like a new format like a five point one, which you know not everything is in five point one, but some of it is, and and maybe if you start from there, um, like I said, like you know the American album should be not touched at all, uh, for you know for what they are, but uh, you know you, there there is machines now the computers that could you know, fix things or correct things or make it better. Or no corrections. At least, no yeah. corrections. You don't correct yeah. what you're doing. No way. And you don't well, correct, no. like, please, please me. Yeah, you well, don't correct. Well, I'm not correct, saying please, that, please. But, but other artists have done it. Now, I know the Beatles are different than other artists, but They corrected Day Tripper. They did. They did. They did. Uh, yeah, hey but that, also. that was a, that was a, a okay. mechanical failure. Yes, but they also That's fixed different. Hey Jude with that at 259, that, that scream you heard. It's not on the, the new remixes of it or whatever. They fixed um, She Loves You with the hi-hat. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, they have done little things um, to fix. But, a, again, you know, you could go crazy fixing things, and does it matter at this point if you did? No. I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give, like, my two blanket thoughts. My, my two blanket thoughts are you don't F with the monos. I know, Mitch, you're not a huge freak of the of the mono mixes or no, whatever no. but i'm i love for the early records to me it's it's mono or bust i love the mono i, I enjoy the stereo but the mono is just okay. to me is the definitive so you you don't touch you don't ever do a mono remix there's no point 
You want to play with the stereo versions? Again, it goes down to me the idea that there was no artistry involved in the stereo mixes. Right. The stereo mixes were, especially pre-66, uh, you know, were afterthoughts, without a doubt. Um, so so you, don't, you don't screw with the mono mixes. The mono mixes stay just the way they are. Do whatever you want with the stereo because anything you're doing is going to be you're, you're taking away the severe limitations that were placed on you and the lack of care. So it's back to the idea that we're not, we're not like taking away from the Beatles artistry. We're not no. saying, you know, Oh my God, how dare you go in and violate. We're not throwing reverb on it. <coughs> a la Dexter. You know, we're not tossing crap onto it. If, if you want to go in and mess with stereo, the Beatles didn't really do the stereo mixes. Right. Do, do whatever you want. And the other thought is, it, it would be cool to see mistakes. Like I'm saying, you don't fix what you're doing. You don't, but you know what? For people who are, are musicians, for people who, they love the Beatles so much, but that's like, to us, we find all that stuff charming. I mean, you, Rob, you, um, Mitch, you and I goof, goof about what you're doing all the time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but for hardcore musicians that really like the, the Beatles are, are their, you know, their mother's milk as musicians to have these things fixed would, would be a gift for them. They'd be kind of like, Oh, look, I can listen to the Beatles on the listener experience without yeah. mistakes. It would be what? It depends on the listener experience. Absolutely. It, it, it depends. Of, and it also depends on how you market. Uh, you say, you know, 2020 remix or fix or whatever you want to call it. And then people, I think, especially for the same, the original song was in there, uh, you know, in the, in the, the, the box set or however they put yeah. it out. Yeah. I, I think that'd be a little different. Or maybe you have a, a separate album where you fix the mistakes. You know, Dizzy Miss Lizzie, no, you what you do is. You put a DVD with the 5.1 right. with mix. With right. fix, the, again, the fix mix, the fix again, mixes. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the distribution. I just think the idea is you don't, you don't, you don't take a fix to what you're doing and put it, replace it on the album. Season. No. Oh no, no, I agree. No, no, no. But you know, you speaking about the monos, uh, Tony. Um, from what I read from Giles, and I, and I think he mentioned it in one of our interviews, he didn't really touch the mono mixes a lot. No. It was more of an e EQing. Um, he said you know, he, he did it all. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, a little bit of an EQ because some of the tapes were a little off, but and it does sound uh, magnificent. Yeah, the and new you know, sounds magnificent. that must have been real easy. You know, you do with this box set. He goes, "Okay, the monos are here. We don't have much to do right. tonight." <laughs> yeah, now, so I think um, when you think about it that way, uh, where you don't touch the monos, that's a, a very good point too. But then again, on the white album, this I thought they were going to fix this, and he didn't. On uh, happiness is a warm gun when it goes into the guitar solo, and then at the end of the guitar solo, the fade up on the stereo, where you hear uh, vocal where on the mono it's clean. I thought they were going to fix that on the remix, mm. um, only because but to most people they don't hear it, Rob. Well, yeah, yeah I know, but I, yeah. we do. <laughs> so well, uh, again, the listener experience. The yeah, listener so experience. but that's I'm just saying that 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 I thought would be fixed because it was a mixing mistake, but they left it in because they did. So, you know, someone said don't touch it, so they didn't. But I like the don't touch the mono stuff because, and I wish the mono stuff was out more because, I mean, it's in the box sets, but uh, that mono box, there's probably more counterfeits of it than uh, legitimate yeah. 20, the 20,000 so, that were released. So are we all in agreement that pretty much they should remix 
then it wouldn't take away from the magic and artistry. I would say so. No. And then you no. could still go back and listen to whatever you want. You bet. Right. Okay. Because the 2009s are still out there. The 2009 remasters are still out there. They never pulled them with the, the, you know, the box sets that have come out. Right. 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 Be because the two-disc set or even the one-disc set will say, you know, the 2018 uh, remix for Abbey Road or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, or 2019. So, um, you know, there is markings on it. So if you want the originals, the originals are there. You know, of course you have to find them. You know, there's no record stores, but that's a whole other thing. You want to so, uh, do one more, uh, Tony? Let's do one more. Okay. Uh, one more question. Mitchell is psychedelically giving us the number six. Six, 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 six. Okay, here we go. Let's uh, listen to question number six as we continue on our listener, what are we calling it? Listener calls experience. Here we go. What? No, the listener, listener calls. Listener, listener calls. Yeah, listener calls experience. Hold on. Here we go. Hi, guys. This is Anthony Bisty from New Jersey. My question is this. Apple comes to you and says for the next record store day, you are to pick two items for the Beatles. You have carte blanche. You can pick either something that was previously released and has gone out of print, or you can create a wholly unique item using previously unreleased or released material. What do you do? Oh, 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 oh. Well, let, let Mitch oh. go first. With all due respect, Anthony, I think this is our favorite question. Anyway, <laughs> I mean to all our other listeners, actually. Well, wow, this every, is, this is listen, I, I am a big proponent of Record Store Day, and, I'll, and I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. I think every Record Store Day, the Beatles should be represented. The Beatles are the, arguably the biggest band in the world. Arguably? <laughs> no, no, I have to say that people will be like, whatever. Abba. To me, well, yes, you know, Abba, Kajagugu. Um, no, but they should be represented. They were the leaders in, the, in, in music. They should be leaders every single record store day. So that being said, if Apple comes to us, and I've actually written to Universal and Apple about a lot of stuff. So there's stuff I know that um, is going to jade my answer. But because um, nothing is I don't know anything that's ever coming out. I just know logistics of why some things don't come out, but I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, if you're going to ask me right now, mm -hmm. the next record store day, uh, well, it was supposed to be April soon from the recording, but obviously that's been moved to June of 20. Um, so let's concentrate on Black Friday. How's that? Black Friday. Well, you got to remember, uh, Mitch, these, these shows are evergreen, so... I, I know, I know. <laughs> all right, so for, but all right, then let me qual, qual, you know, qualify it by saying, if you're asking me for Black Friday 2020, all right? Okay. We know the Let It Be is coming out. Okay. Get back. Okay. So what I would do is right before, because it's coming out in, I think, September. Uh, so they said September 4th. So I would, a couple months later, to keep it going for the, Christmas and holiday season, I would put out an EP of the rooftop songs um, and, and just call it Beatles Up on the Roof or the Beatles Rooftop Concert and have a five-song EP because they did five songs. You just have that EP with a really cool cover of them on the roof, and that would be my, my single. Or you could have a 12-inch, whatever, but that would be my release, my first release, for record store day of 2020. 
Oh, oh, Tony, yours? Can I? No, 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 no. I want to hear your second one, but the oh, cover, the cover would have to be like one of those bad Toby Milo, not the Toby Milo bootleg EPs. Oh, yeah. And and it would and it would have to be like the Beatles, like in like a rubber stamp, and it could be called Five Live in '69. Oh, five live and, cool. and and I think I think that's like exactly what would happen, and I think that that so I'm down with that. So that could be a really I, so but call no, Apple and tell speaking, them I'm going to do that the would be a cool one. Yeah, that would be a really cool one though. That's awesome. Okay, what's what's your next one? I don't know my next one, Rob. You All go. Right, so Rob. Uh, okay, uh, mine was is actually part of the the Beatles singles collection that just came out, hmm. and that is Real Love, backed by Free as a Bird. The, the um, remixes. Yeah, the remixes from on 2015. That. Yeah, and uh, take it from they were on the DVD plus uh, DVD, and I would I like the fact that uh, they both put that you know one was an A side, one was a B side or a double A side, however they did it. I really enjoyed that, and um, and I like the fact that they included it as part of their um, their you know whole collection because some people don't want to include those two songs because oh John wasn't there. Well, it's his songs. So to me, it, it, it counts. But at the same time, um, I think it, that would be a good place to start. I like that um, 45. I'd buy my, it. My other one, and I'll, I just, because we'll do two. My other one, I'm not, they wouldn't do this. But part of the thing about Record Store Days, it's kind of a limited thing. And <laughs> what they might want to do is either put out the deck of tapes, all 15 songs, but as a limited thing. Ooh. So that way it doesn't get into the, the mainstream, so to speak. And but at that point, who cares if it's in the mainstream? Well, that's, that's true. But, um, you know, uh, Ringo might. You know, he's the drummer. Um, obviously, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be a problem. But th then again, that might already be out there. The, you know, the 50-year copyright law in Great Britain. I'm not sure what they... There are multiple, there are multiple versions. Yeah, so I think... Yeah, the official uh, release would be really cool. Yeah, you know, depending yeah. on this what the tape... What, what tape they have or which volume they have. So uh, maybe something like that. Um, I, there's so many things to do. The problem with Record Store Days, it's purposely made into an instant collector's item. And most of the time they don't extend it. So I would want Real Love and, and Free as a Bird to be more of an extension, but I understand the, what Record Store Day is, and that's to promote records and to get people to go to the record store and, to feel connected to music as a physical thing, not just something to stream. So, right. can I do my yeah. second one, Tom? You can do your second one, then I'm going to do both mine together. So that. But you have to because you'll be the only one I left. Guess so yeah, the only one left. My second one, and and it's never going to happen. If you take mine, I'll give you such a pinch. All right. Well, I'm going to say it. I don't care. Don't it's going to be a 12 inch. All right. It's going to be a 12 inch. How you doing? <laughs> Sorry. You wish. <laughs> have to be three of you. Um. <laughs> What? That's right. You have to be six of me. I, I just burped, so I didn't hear you guys. Wow. No, don't worry. Anyway, I would do it. You know, it was cool the way um, uh, Sean Lennon put out the Claypool Lennon delirium stuff uh, a couple a couple of years ago already from the taping of this. Um, I would do a 12-inch, and it's never going to happen. But whatever, you, you know, he said, go ahead. So – I would do a 12-inch of Carnival of Light back with the 27-minute Helter Skelter. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, I can dream. Yeah, I mean, you you're can. saying it's never going to happen, but you know what? When, when 10 years from now, when it's, 
It's the Beatles' 60th anniversary, the scraping the bottom of the barrel box. <laughs> it's like, yeah, who the hell knows? Um, that would be kind of fun, though. I'm going to cheat. I never listen. I'm going to do two different, two different, um, two different, you know, released things, but, but there, it's going to be three pieces in total. Um, I think for one of the record store days, you put out the two singles. You put out uh, Leave My Kitten Alone, Back With Obla Di Obla Da, and Girl, Back With You, You're Gonna Lose That Girl. Oh, that's cool. Picture sleeves. Okay. Put them out just for fun and be like, oh, they call it like, oops, we forgot something, you know. <laughs> um, I think if we're talking this year, unless their plan is to do this, and I know it's not the most stimulating thing in the world, um, but one of, one of two things, I, and one of them came to mind, you know, but with the Let It Be package, I think you should include the Glenn Johns mix. You should include just maybe... If there's a vinyl so. box, if there's a vinyl Let It Be box, it might be nice to have one vinyl be the original photo. Get Back original, and 12 Others. Get Back and 12 Others. It's called Get Back. Yeah. The other thing that, that would be really fun for Record Store Day, and this is going to be like, they'll never do it, but if, put out a butcher cover with the yesterday and today over it that you could you could peel and put back like on. they did with the american cd like they did with the american cd so put out the cover full-blown and you could you could peel it and unpeel it if you well, want. well in that collection that that piece of uh stick on came separate so they, you didn't have to peel it off which i was happy no, about right right i have you know? one more go ahead how about they start and it could be a series because but they could put out the beatles jukebox eps the compact 33s Wow. No, that'd be cool. Did the Meet the Beatles, something new, and, and second album. Wow. That'd be good. They, you know, the little 45s of the compact. Get 30. on that. Call them. I, would, I think that would be a natural if they're going to do, like, you know, going back to the, wow. the early stuff. Um, they well, that's eat. a good idea. That's something different. That's, you know, never was released commercially. That'd be a, a good idea. Right. I and actually have a continuation of that, and that would be, I, I like Beatle talk stuff. Um, the promo... Interviews. Thing for yeah, for Meet the Beatles, and then there was a second one, the Beatles' second yeah, album, second open-ended artists. Yeah, the open-ended interviews. Yeah, the open-ended interviews and uh, the dialogue from uh, the motion picture Let It Be. There you go. And, so and, and all those could be out. record store days. Yeah, that would be a nice limited one. edition, so it doesn't have to yeah. be. You know, right, they were that, promo back then. Right, that would be a good thing because even though I have probably copies of all of them, um, it'd be nice to have a an official place since they were officially released to various promotion people yeah. and stuff. So what about now you get me thinking, sorry. <laughs> yeah, really, this guy, no, what, you wanted two, you're getting 37. Sorry. <laughs> no, but what about, Almost what about, no, but Rob, you, it's limited, right? So yeah. you said limited. So why don't they do the Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields promo, the capital promo. And cause that had the, uh, the trumpet code on it. That would be, yeah, that'd be great. By itself, I mean, you know, just yeah. the singles because they were put out to radio stations as singles. That's that's so and, and that's one of the few five thousand mixes that never came out. And well, here's it came the, out on the on one of the, the new boxes, but it was the horrible one. That was the worst sounding yeah. thing. It's like where'd they get the tape? Yeah, right. Well, well, now here's the here's the Tony one that'll never uh -oh. ever happen. How about you finally put out the single of "What a Shame Mary Jane Had a Pain at the Party"? Oh come on, no. do not do no. Look up Sorry. Up. No. Fair. That's that's Tony's <laughs> dream song. <laughs> uh, 
his band's getting together to record that. <laughs> I was going to say Wet Dream song, but... <laughs> nice. I just did that to bust Rob's chops. because You did, but you, you do it so well. Thank you very much. <laughs> I th- I don't, you know what? Uh, if, if we're talking serious, which we don't ever do, but if we talk serious, they would never even consider that, even if it was on the table, because um, it's, it's really not a Beatles song. It's like, you know, mostly John... So I oh, think, absolutely. I mean, you'd really yeah. have to, not to be funny, but you would be doing it as a Plastic Ono band. You'd have to, yeah. Thing. Yeah, it that's not going to happen. Right. It would be just the way it was, it was goofed about or speculated about. Right. But it, wow, that was a fun question. That was a real works. fun question. That was a great one to All end right. on. Great one to end on. So um, this has been a lot of fun. We're taking listener calls. We have more calls that have come, Yay. but that doesn't mean that uh, you shouldn't stop uh, letting them come into you it. You should give out the number now. I should give out the number now, but the it. only thing is, as we know, the number will sometimes change based oh, on the of Google. So considering that this is a, uh, a, a forever show. Um, yes, but, but we should give it out now anyway and say, if you want to in the next, you know. Well, why, don't we say, why don't we say that uh, the next time we do one of these shows, we'll go to our website or go to yeah, the Facebook yeah, page. Yeah. Well, okay. right. You can absolutely visit the website to see the number. I will put the current phone number up on the website page, but I'll give it away for now. As yep. of April 9th of 2020, you can call Fab Four Free For All at 516-366-0860. That's 516-366-0860. And, uh, don't ask what color underwear we're wearing. Don't ask oh. what color gray. Anyway, uh, I'm kidding. Just, anyway. None. <laughs> you're wearing it's a free for all. You're wearing a nun's underwear. That's not very All right. So, so for Fab Four Free for All, this has been our, our listener calls show. Thank you all so much for participating. I've been your moderator and the guy playing with all the controls and screwing stuff up royally, but you're not going to see in the final version. No, you uh, Tony Chiguardo and you may Tony, not see me in the final as movie. they always do has been Mitch Axelrod. Take care, folks. And Rob Leonard. And uh, thank you for listening. Great questions. Yes. All right. And we'll see you all soon. You got it. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is Not Alone by Barry Waller. Be sure to visit our website at www.fab, the number four, free, the number four, all.com.